How wives should submit to their husbands, dealing with toxic family members, friends, and strangers, finding a good church, and head coverings. I'm going to be answering these and more of your submitted questions in this episode. Welcome back. My name is Cody Lawrence, and uh, I have asked you on Instagram to submit questions for me to answer. Some of them are personal, and some of them are uh, theological. And I figured I would just get the personal questions out of the way uh, at the beginning and then save the juicy stuff for the end. But maybe you'll enjoy the the personal questions a lot at the beginning, too. Uh, I enjoy answering all of them. So first, someone asked, what non-theology podcasts are you listening to? The the non-theology podcasts that I listen to are... Um, well, one I really like is called Stories or Soul Food, and it's on Canon Press. I think they also have videos on YouTube, um, but it's it's uh, hosted by N.D. Wilson, who's an author that I like. And uh, they talk a lot about writing and stories, and it's a really good podcast. I also listen to For News and News Commentary, Daily Wire podcasts. I specifically like Matt Walsh. I think he's my favorite but uh, I disagree with his theology. He's a Catholic, but I like his political takes, and I like his courage to say the things that need to be said. So in that respect, we're on the same team. Uh, Another fun fact, whenever I'm on long road trips, I, uh, I have a tendency to get drowsy. And so if it's nighttime and I'm getting drowsy on a road trip, I always look up some random podcast. It doesn't really matter where it's from. Some kind of mystery or paranormal podcast. It keeps me awake. I really enjoy listening to those. (laughs) Um, Podcasts are mainly for education for me. So I don't really listen to a lot of non-theology podcasts, but those are the ones that I do. Not too many. Mostly I listen to theology podcasts, Uh, which kind of leads into the next question. Favorite teachers... I trust for teaching and biblical wisdom. So my first main prerequisite for finding a good teacher is someone who is anti-woke. Someone who is against wokeness, someone who is uh, loudly speaking out uh, against these things because wokeness is an infection. And it's one of the biggest infections that we're dealing with in the church and conservatism, just in our country in general, it's destroying everything. And so I want someone who has their eyes open, right? And recognizes the problems that we're actually dealing with. Somebody doesn't recognize that. I have absolutely no interest in them whatsoever. So here are the teachers that I follow. One is Greg Kokel, and he's at a place called Stand to Reason. Uh, I've been following Greg Kokel for probably ever since I was back in high school. He's the teacher I've been following the longest in my life, I think. And he's great. I uh, they, they have a lot of resources. I started being interested in him, I think, because of apologetics. He wrote a wonderful book that I recommend to everybody. I think it should be required reading for Christians called Tactics. Uh, it's great. I listen to his podcast. It's a theology podcast, so I didn't, I didn't list that in the first question. <laughs> uh, but he's great. I also follow... 
uh, Doug Wilson. I think Doug Wilson has been hugely influential over my faith, especially the past couple years as I've been weeding through the teachers who I followed who took the wrong stance on a lot of very important issues, you know, over the past couple of years. And then new teachers were brought to my attention who I maybe weren't so aware of in the past who took all the right stances on a lot of these issues. So uh, the 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 terrible things that have happened over the past couple of years are a blessing and a curse. Uh, but for those of us who have our eyes open, they're a blessing. So I like Doug Wilson. I actually like all the pastors at his church and the content that they produce, and they all produce wonderful content. Doug Wilson, Toby Sumter. He's also on a Cross Politic podcast, I think. I don't follow that so much, but I know it's good. I listen to Toby Sumter's other material. Jared Longshore, he's great. I also like Owen Strand. Uh, his last name is spelled S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. He's great. Uh, he he fights on the right side of all of the important battles. Vody Bakum, he's another one who I like. I like their books. I like their preaching. Uh, all these guys are pastors. Uh, Owen Strand is a professor at a seminary. Very good seminary standing up for all the right things and fighting against all the right things too. So those guys are good. Those are probably the, just the ones off the top of my head who I like the best. But also everyone who is kind of in their sphere, people who they trust are probably going to be people that I trust. And people who don't like these people are probably people who I'm also not going to like. So that's kind of how I find new people. Usually I find people from the people that I like. So uh, the, the next question, what am I reading now? So now I, I'm trying to read a book a week and I'm, I'm doing decently well. My wife is doing the same thing and she's killing it. She's like far and away. Uh, she, she reads so much. <laughs> um, but currently I'm reading Prince Caspian. Uh, I have never, I've only ever read the line, the witch in the wardrobe when I was a little kid. And so I recently picked up all the books again and the line, the witch in the wardrobe was better than I ever remembered. Uh, it, it's wonderful. And then Prince Caspian's great too. I'm also reading uh, the Jonathan Edwards reader. Uh, I've been turned on to a lot of Puritan authors recently. So I've been working through a lot of Puritan books, his included. And then I've got a bunch that I'm going to read next. Uh, and then I always try to read a Doug Wilson book. So I'm currently reading, I think the book that I'm currently reading from him is just called Worship Music. I think that's what it's called. Okay, getting into the theological questions. Uh, I'm going to try to hit all of these questions like I have so far pretty quick. So if I don't answer these to the depth that you would like, then you can feel free to message me on Instagram is probably the best place to reach me or just leave me a comment on YouTube and I can expound upon these topics in future episodes for sure. But uh, I just kind of want to hit a lot of these topics very quickly, give a very brief response, because many of these could be 100% their own episodes, and books have been written on all these things. Big questions. So the first that many people actually ask me about is submission. Uh, a lot of women are like, how do I submit to my husband? And um, one woman in particular gave 
a really interesting question. She said, I work a full-time job and I come home and my husband expects me to do everything for him and I don't like it, but I'm trying to be submissive to him. Is this a good thing, essentially? And I think a lot of other really faithful women are in in the same boat. And I, I think, wow, you, you know, that I was shocked in a good way, sort of, um, that I heard that <laughs> because what, what I would expect whenever people are talking about submission is kind of the opposite response where people are more likely to say, to kind of throw out the idea of submission instead of to, um, take submission so seriously that it is perhaps to some kind of detriment. So I, w- I was shocked in a good way that that these faithful women are taking submission so seriously that they are, um, that they're actually asking, am I going too far? <laughs> so that's, that's wonderful. So let me try to explain um, what submission is and what, and what submission isn't. So first, submission I think is huge. I think to understand Submission to your husband is to understand submission to the government and submission to the church and submission to God. And even and even God himself, Jesus Christ, is in submission to the Father. Uh, it says husband or uh, wives submit to your husbands as as um husbands are the head of their wives as Jesus is the head of the church. Wives submit to your husbands as Jesus submits to the Father. So there's all this submission intertwined with how the world works. And so to properly understand what that submission means is to is to connect a lot of dots. So first I, I kind of want to say what submission isn't. Uh, for, submission isn't necessarily to do whatever your husband asks. I'll just use my wife and I as an example. If um, if I were to tell my wife to do something or if I had some kind of thing that I wanted us to do and it was a mistake, it was a bad idea, it was unbiblical or whatever, I want my wife to fight me on that. I want her to try to change my mind. Uh, I want her to resist. That to me is a submissive wife because she is submitting not just to my bad orders, but she's submitting to the truth. And that is what I truly need. I don't want somebody who just follows my orders. I want somebody who follows the truth and helps me also to follow the truth because I'm not perfect. But in in an area where I'm not obviously making a mistake, where something I'm doing aligns with scripture or isn't a scriptural issue, then I think submission in that case would be to to follow what the husband wanted to do, would be to obey. I think in the same way, this is how we ought to treat the government. And I've, I've talked extensively in this, uh, about this with the government in the past, where we we should, I think a lot of people say like, well, you should follow the government unless they specifically ask you to sin. I think it's a lot more than that. I think the government has specific limits to their authority, just like husbands, families have limits to their authority. 
the church has limits to its authority. They can't just ask anybody to do whatever they want to. So whenever the government or anything for that matter exceeds its authority, then that is something that we have the ability and I would say even obligation as Christians to resist. Because if God gives a certain sphere, the family, the civil government, or the church, a set boundary of authority, and that thing exceeds that, then that thing is saying that I am greater than God because God has given me this authority, but I'm going to exceed those bounds. And so by us resisting that, that evil um, stepping out of those bounds, then we are basically saying you're not God. We're not allowing that thing to become an idol, which is a good thing. And it's what Christians do. Christians don't worship idols. And so that's something I think has to be considered. And so somebody else asked kind of along the same lines, a lot of questions about submission, but somebody also asked uh, the boundaries of church and family and government. And I'm just going to recommend a couple of books here. I I just very briefly touched on it before. Uh, I don't actually know the full, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, the full limits of family, like what exactly your husband is allowed to tell you or what he isn't or what what your uh, church is allowed to tell you or, or what it isn't. I think if you encounter some kind of situation where you have a question on this, you need to go to the Bible to see if if in that specific situation the church has the authority to do that. Because not everything explicitly is going to be in a Bible. Like, does the government have the ability to tell me what to put on my face? Um, well, let's go to the Bible and see what the bounds of government authority is. And the answer is no. And the church doesn't either, for that matter. So the books I'm going to recommend on the boundaries of authority of these spheres is two books. One is um, The Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley. Very good book about family. And then Slaying Leviathan by Glenn Sunshine is a wonderful history of Christian resistance to tyranny. And it very clearly lays out the historical Christian view on the bounds of government, what the government has the right to do, what they don't. Dealing with toxic family members, friends, and strangers. So when we're dealing with anybody who's in sin, I think the very first thing we need to recognize is if they are not a Christian, there is a bigger problem than their sin happening. It's their salvation. So if a person is homosexual, yeah, that's a problem. But it's a bigger problem that they're not saved. So we, sh- we should be far and away less concerned with any individual sin than we are with the condition of their souls. However, that doesn't mean that we should affirm their sins. We can, we can not affirm their sins and we can be concerned primarily with the condition of their souls at the same time. So with that said, I think when we deal with anyone who is in sin, especially probably the, the specific kinds of outrageous sins that the people were thinking of when they when they uh, messaged me these questions. Actually, quite a few people also asked me questions about dealing with family members, friends, and strangers who aren't Christians or who are in sin. This is a pretty common issue. First, my first piece of advice is live in reality because a lot of the sin that we deal with in our society today, all of the, the crazy stuff that's going on, stems from a twisting of fundamental truths of reality that we all know to be true, 
Like men are men. There's no changing that. Women are women. There's no changing that. That is a fundamental aspect of our reality. And if people deny that, then they're denying reality. And we cannot capitulate to that kind of denial of reality. We believe that men exist and women exist and there's no changing it. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't matter what you think you are. That is reality. And a lot of people might say, well, you know, but we want to love these people. We won't be able to share the gospel with them if we if we don't use their pronouns or whatever. But I think that's absolutely false. You cannot share the gospel in a context with somebody where you are stepping out of reality. If you step out of the world where male and female exist, to share the gospel with somebody in a whole different universe, what you're saying, your gospel doesn't matter. You cannot share the gospel with somebody and lie to them because the gospel is truth. And so we need to share the truth with people and not be afraid to do that. Uh, here's an example. I have a, I have a gay cousin. Yeah, she's my cousin. Uh, and then she, she has a partner and she brings that partner to our family gatherings and my grandpa, every Christmas, shares the Christmas story. He reads it from the Bible and he preaches the gospel every Christmas, which includes the repentance of sins. And he even specifically often says homosexuality. That she would consider probably a very unloving thing to do. But in reality, that is the most loving thing to do because he is calling her to believe in Jesus and to repent from her sins. And that's what we ought to be doing with our family and our friends uh, who are in sin, not because of their sins, but because they need salvation. And then once they call themselves a Christian, once they're over the, the hump there, then we can confront them with scripture and say, look, you're you're calling yourselves a Christian, so let's let's hold you consistent to that. Let's actually show you that these things that you're doing, this this life that you're leading, is sinful if they haven't repented of something. Um, I'd also add to so don't use people's made up pronouns. Uh, one person said that someone in their family uh, got married and they refused to congratulate them. I think that's a good move. I think that's a wonderful move. Do not congratulate same-sex marriage. Uh, I've I've even not congratulated someone who I thought got married really unwisely, and it turns out that they did, <laughs> and um, and it went really poorly. So not not all marriage is wise. Not all marriage is a good thing, and not all marriage is actually marriage. And so we should we should act like it because we live in reality. Uh, the interpretation, whenever we're dealing with difficult biblical issues, the interpretation that is comfortable for us isn't always the right one. It's often, in fact, the wrong one, the interpretation that's comfortable for us. Just to kind of reveal my cards, the interpretation that's comfortable for me personally is something that I've heard that kind of makes sense to me that I like that says head coverings refers to hair. So to say that women should wear head coverings in church is to say that women should have long hair. Now, I know that there are different interpretations. I know that people bring up issues with that. Um, 
it seems as though you can bring up some kind of issue with with many different interpretations of that. But I, to share with you, I think the most powerful argument for head coverings that seems to me to be very convincing is that head coverings were a common thing just up until the feminist movement. Before then, pretty much everyone everywhere always wore head coverings, in church at least, Christians. But up until the feminist movement, that kind of stopped, which is interesting. Something to consider. Uh, The final question is how to find a good church. So one person asked, uh, like, how do I... How do I find a church if there's no good church near me? So first, I would say um, how to find a good church. I think you have to look for not only the the right statement of faith, but you know, pretty much every church's statement of faith seems to be the same anymore. They seem to all say the right things. It's hard at a glance to determine if a church is good or bad. So you're going to have to attend and you're going to have to listen to the preaching and compare what they're saying to the word. You might have to have a meeting with the pastor and ask them what they think about uh, many of the big issues that matter theologically today, like what is your church's opinion on abortion and what's your church's opinion on, um, did, did your church force your members to wear masks? Did your church shut down? Um, did you repent from that? If they shut down, did you reopen quickly? Do you value the gathering of, of Christians? Um, those are the kinds of questions that you can ask a couple episodes. I talked about the importance of being on the right side of these big controversial cultural issues and how that clearly displays that you understand scripture well in context with the world that we live in or not. So that's that's one thing to consider. But let's say, and it's probably a lot more common than you might think, let's say there are no faithful churches around you. Let's say all the churches around you capitulate to abortion and they don't discipline people who uh, who value those things in the disguise of, say, women's rights, or um, they wear a mask every week still because they they fear the government more than God, or they're, they're just living in fear, or they're vastly horribly misinformed, or their values are twisted, whatever. Let's just say there are no good churches in your area, then you have an obligation to start one. So I I would give you two options. I would say you either need to move to a place where there is a faithful church or you need to start one. And if you're not qualified to start one, then you should get your act together and be qualified to start one. And if not, still, you should find someone who can. But you have to start a church. If there's no faithful church around you, attending, gathering with the saints... Gathering in a in a church regularly is not optional. So either find one or start one yourself. And uh, I think if you're working towards that, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's no shame in starting with just a small group of people in your home meeting regularly, or there's no shame in you know something small uh, church doesn't have to be in a big building that's established with a big with um, worship music. You can work toward those things if those things don't exist. And I think that's a totally reasonable and acceptable thing to do. And then, um, yeah, 
so uh, that was that was the final question. Uh, I went way longer than I meant to, but there were a lot of questions and I hit them all. If you have any more questions for me, I would love to do more of these episodes. Or if you want clarification on any of these individual issues, uh, message me and tell me, and then I can make episodes just about, say, submission or or head coverings or um, the limits of the spheres of authority. So hope you enjoyed. God bless. Thanks for sticking it out to the end. I really appreciate you listening. If you want to be a big help, give me a like and a comment. Even if you disagree with me, I will respond and we can talk about it. If you also want to be notified of more content that I put out in the future, give me a subscribe. That helps tremendously be able to share truth with more people.